please turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. We uh, will consider this morning um, the first 11 verses of Proverbs 2, but in the Hebrew, this is uh, a English teacher's worst nightmare because it is a run-on sentence and just goes on and on and on. And so in light of that, in light of the way that it was originally written, we're going to read it all together um, in one setting. So if you would stand up with me. Hear God's Word from Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land And those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Grass withers, the flowers fade. The word of the Lord shall stand forever. You can be seated. Let's pray together and ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank You for this day to gather, to consider Your Word, to hear it read, to hear it taught. We pray for uh, the searchlight of the Spirit to highlight things that we must submit to You, for You are Lord. How we lack wisdom. We pray for it. We pray that You and Your grace and Your mercy, that You would give freely, abundantly, to those of us, to all of us here who desperately need it. 
We trust that You will do it. We trust that You will make good on Your promises when we truly ask for this, that You will grant it. And we pray all this in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, in this passage, we are on a journey journey down a pathway that leads us to somewhere that unfortunately hordes of people never get to. So many people in this, in this life, unfortunately, they never actually get to. They never arrive at the end of the journey that uh, Proverbs 2 tells us that we're on because the end of this pilgrimage is the destination of wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is a word that's difficult to pin down because it has such a broad semantic range. It's easy to think of wisdom as mere knowledge, right? As mere collection of data. In fact, we make this mistake so often when we think all of society's problems can be boiled down to the simple fact that people just need more knowledge. Right? That's a popular view that that if everyone just had access to the same amount of education, if they could get, if they could have access to the same concepts, the same knowledge base, then society would be healed of all of its ills, right? But we know that that's not true because as if having the right concepts collated in your brain produces virtue. No, we know that that's not true because we can all point to people who are absolutely brilliant and who are educated, but who are not moral, who are not wise, and who have wasted their life. No, collection of facts does not produce virtue. We can, we can misunderstand wisdom by uh, assuming that wisdom just naturally comes with age and life experience, right? As if we, as if one is, if, if they live long enough, if they have enough life experience, then that will automatically translate into right living and, and a godly life. But we know that that's not true, also, because we can all point to people who have let time and life experience turn them bitter and angry and hopeless. No, it's not mere data collection, nor is it mere collection of, of years and life experience that produce wisdom. Wisdom is hard to pin down. Wisdom, chokmah in Hebrew. It's this complex term because it includes concepts like reverence, like a, a reverence for the fear of the Lord, a reverence for the judgment of the Lord, an appreciation for the gracious covenant love of the Lord. It includes Things like a reverence and appreciation, a seeking after the Word of the Lord, the law of the Lord. Old Testament theologian Palmer Robertson, he, he sums it up helpfully. He says that wisdom is the ability to understand the basic principles inherent in God's created order and to live by those principles. Wisdom then is living out the whole of life with a constant awareness of accountability before a loving, gracious, and just Creator and Redeemer. Wisdom, it's an all-of-life project. It's, a, it's an all-of-life journey toward God intoxication, a life that, that 
tries to relate every part of itself back to the one true God. It's being infatuated with God in every aspect of your being. It's living life, quorum Deo, before the face of the Lord with an awareness that He sees, that He knows, that He's intimately connected with all of your ways. That's part of wisdom. Are you a Christian? Have you truly been converted by the power of the Spirit to belief and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have, your entire life is wrapped up in a wisdom project. You cannot get away from it. That's what the Christian life is, a wisdom project. Where are you on this journey? Think about this as we consider these passages. Where, where are you on, on the, the pathway to wisdom? Have you arrived at the destination? Is, is wisdom something that is stamped, that you could honestly say is stamped over your life? Or do you lack wisdom? If you lack wisdom, if you sit here today and you lack wisdom, do you desire it? Do you thirst for it? Do you have hunger pains for wisdom and are starved for it, desperately needing it? Well, if that's you, that's a great place to be. Because part of the journey toward true wisdom is understanding your lack of it, understanding your desperate need, recognizing the need. The surest way to bypass wisdom is to be indifferent toward it. To think, you know, I've, I've lived enough, I've got enough knowledge, I've got enough good sense to kind of know how to use it. So I'm, I'm okay, I'm alright. That's exactly the kind of perspective that will waste your life. One theologian sums it up well. He says, you don't have to hate Jesus to waste your life. You just have to be okay with who you are. You just have to think, I'm alright. It's a life waster. The reality is the true Christian life is a pursuit of wisdom. You are never too old. You are never too young. You're always at the right age and stage in this pursuit. So the oldest in this room to the youngest who are sitting by your parents, this is for you. Wisdom is for you. You're always at the right time. This is an ever-relevant text to us. It teaches us three truths on how to live wisely in an unwise age. Isn't our, isn't our age just marked by a lack of wisdom? One of the things that we had mentioned in Sunday school for the past couple of weeks is how we are natural flakes. We are... It is just the air that we breathe to give up on our commitments. Marriages, churches, friendships, when things don't go our way, we are just, man, we are brainwashed just to give up. We live in an unwise age. This is a call for living in wisdom. There are three things that it teaches us this morning. Wisdom has conditions. The conditions of wisdom. Wisdom is accompanied by a promise. There's a promise of wisdom. And thirdly, wisdom has a source. So the conditions, the promise, and the source of wisdom. Let's think uh, just for a bit about this first point, the conditions. Look with me at verses 1 through 5 as we think about this first point. My son, 
If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So, it does not take a philosophy professor, a logician, to note the then of verse 5 is conditioned on all the ifs of verses 1-4. through Look there with me. This is conditional language. If-then language. What's Solomon's argument here? How do we end up at the wisdom of verse 5? Well, he says that to attain that, to get there, to get to the end of this destination, there are certain conditions that have to be met. Right? Take a look at the proposal. If his son, who he's speaking to here, the sons of Israel, and, and, and us, the church, if we're to cultivate wisdom, it takes receiving the Word of His Father, not just passively, but storing it up. You see that? Storing it up like it's gold. Like, like it actually has something worthy in it that we need. It takes listening to wise instruction. If there's anything that we could learn from this, from this passage here, it's intentional listening. That's what it's taken. It's not passive, it's intentional. How do you hear the Word of God? Are you intent on it? Do you listen all throughout the Bible? You hear the refrain, um, let him who has ears hear. Right? How do you hear the Word of God? Intentional listening. Think about the beauty of intentional listening in the 21st century. Are we marked by intentional listening in our age? Absolutely not. It is almost impossible, it feels like, it's almost impossible to have any kind of civil discourse between opposing views, politically or religiously. It just seems like it's not a safe environment in the 21st century West to have conversations with people that, that you are at loggerheads with. It just seems impossible. Because everybody wants to shout. It becomes a shouting match and, and uh, a, a feat of strength. Right? What a contrast wise listening is. Wise listening assumes humility. It assumes that what I'm listening to, I actually, whether I agree with it or not, I actually may need something in it. There may be something there that I can learn. Even me. That I can learn. Wisdom not only receives, but it acts. Look at verses 3 and 4. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. What's this calling for? I think one thing that we can safely assume that it's calling for is fervent prayer. Prayer that calls out for insight, that raises its voice for insight, that reveals the depth of need. How often have you ever been so desperate for the Lord's wisdom? You were just desperate. You were starving for it. 
that as you begin to pray, the volume of your prayer raises. It increases. The volume, you get worked up in your petition, in your begging, in your imploring the Lord for wisdom. That's what this calls for. It's not something, verse 4 tells us, it's not something that's a passing fad. Something that you're kind of cool and it seems kind of cool and you're into one day or one week or one month. Then the next you're on to better things. No, the degree to which you seek something, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into seeking something, it reveals its place of importance to you. That just makes intuitive sense. God's Word tells us that wisdom is something that we, that we pursue with our entire being. My oldest son, um, this past year, he got his first MP3 player, and it was one of those really old ones um, that you still kind of have to hook up. It doesn't have a Wi-Fi connection or anything. You have to hook up to the computer. And um, my boys and I, we we have the same interest in music for the most part, and um, it was fun just to to kind of hook up this little old iPod MP3 player to my computer and let my son pick out which songs that he wanted to, to have with him, right? And um, in the course of like, I don't know, maybe, tw- maybe 20 seconds tops, hundreds of songs are immediately downloaded to this little bitty device. Hours, hours of listening that you just carry around with you. What a strange world we live in where we can do that. Well, how simple... And easy that is to, to, to have that content. But I think my view, if you're anything like me, um, your view of godly wisdom oftentimes is more influenced by your industry player, by your cell phone, than it is the way the Scriptures speak about wisdom. Wisdom is not a quick process. That's why we detest it. That's why we fight against it. It is not quick. It is not easily achievable. It takes time, and sometimes it's hard to quantify if we've actually gotten it or not. It's not automatic. It takes diligence. It takes avoiding things, right? It takes avoiding things and pursuing other things. It takes avoiding tendencies and sins and things that lure you. That could lure you. And it takes pursuing other things. The law of the Lord. Which doesn't feel fun all the time. It doesn't feel ecstatic. This is the process of sanctification. This isn't legalism. We're not pursuing these things so that the Lord will like us more. So that He will give us what we're really wanting. So that He will give us cash or give us prestige or power or or whatever. Or even give us righteousness. No. This is why Paul says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Your soul is in war this morning. That sounds militant. Your soul is in war either toward the wisdom of God or toward foolishness that wastes your life. So where are we on that path? 
the next two points, the promise and the source. More brief, but no less important. The logical next step is to take note of what the diligence of searching for wisdom actually produces. Look at, uh, at verse 5 and its connection with verses 9 through 11. Look there at verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand the righteousness, verse 9, and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will wash over you and understanding will guard you. Alright, I'm shamelessly going to rip off an illustration from a close friend of mine because I think it makes a necessary point here. But uh, hypothetically, of course, let's just say that you get in your cars after church and you're on your way home and uh, you have a person who cuts you off in traffic and it makes you really, really angry. I'm not saying that anyone would struggle with something like that. But hypothetically, if you were to say, you know... I'm really upset that this person just cut me off. I wonder if I should kill them. I wonder if I should murder this person. Hmm, I'm not sure. Let me think about that for a bit. That just took a really dark turn. Sorry. But, but you, you understand the ridiculousness of the scenario, right? Like you don't, as a, as a Christian, you don't, have, you don't have to think about that for long. You have a command. It's called commandment number six that deals with that. Thou shalt not kill. You don't have to go, man, I just don't know what's right. You know what you should do because it's spelled out so clearly. But what about the less obvious things? That's what makes wisdom so elusive. It's, that's why it's so important to attain because... So much of our lives are lived in these areas that we don't have specific commands that we can so readily and easily apply. But friends, look what you're promised if you diligently seek the Lord for His wisdom. <coughs> Verse 5, you will understand the Lord. Understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 9, you will understand righteousness and justice and act in every good path. Verse 10, wisdom will come into your heart Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Don't you love when things can be a little easy for you? This is telling you, you can take God's Word as true. You don't even have to keep thinking about it and wondering, if I really pursue this, will I get these things or is, is this all just a sham? God's Word promises you wisdom. If you seek diligently, if you become a wisdom seeker in your life, you will have these things. It says, I promise you will understand righteousness. Wisdom comes into your heart and guess what? You're going to love it. You will even love wisdom because it will delight your soul. Why? Why, why is it such a delight? That brings us to this last point. It's a delight because it comes from the, the very source and fountain of delight. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The God of pleasure. The God of delight. It comes from the Lord Himself. 
Look at these verses we intentionally skipped. Verses 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. So earlier we're told if we seek it diligently, if we call out in this search for wisdom, that we're going to receive it. Here we actually get a glimpse behind the curtain of all of our diligent labors in the pursuit of wisdom. Do you see it? What do you find? You find none other than it's, that it's been God all along who's the true giver of wisdom. He's the one who actually gives you these things. It's not mere reward, something that you're owed because you've worked hard enough. You know, I've, I've worked hard for this. It's God's turn to pay up. That's, that's not the image. It's actually the Lord who freely gives you His wisdom. It's the paradox of God's gift and our labor. Right? Well, which is it? Is it that God freely gives or is it that I really work hard to, to pursue this? Yes. It's absolutely both. It's the same rationale Paul uses in Philippians 2 where he says in 12-13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, listen, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So the message is work because God has worked. God has already worked. That's how your work can be effective. Our work rests on the basis of what God has already worked, and it ultimately rests on Him. The kindness of the Father that we have, who's so willing and ready to give us access to His unending reservoir of wisdom. Because He Himself is, has infinite, bottomless, He's an infinite, bottomless source of all these good things, like we looked at last week. Infinite goodness comes from Him, flows from Him. Infinite wisdom. And since He has bound us to Himself with His covenant love, and it's unshakable, it's not the fickle love that we have for one another or that we have for Him. It's the covenant, unshaking love. We have all the access to wisdom that we need because we have Him. That's really the doorway to this. You don't get wisdom outside of the one true God. Do you know what Colossians 2 says? It says actually that it's the Lord Jesus who all, who all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in the Lord Jesus. He's the doorway to this. To seek wisdom is to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. This new year, are you seeking for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have things that you are desperately needing to be cleared up in your life and you just, have, you just do not have the wisdom to figure it out, to figure out the way forward? These painful gray areas in your life that you have no specific command from the Lord on how to fix... 
Run to the Lord Jesus Christ, who all the who is hidden in Him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's the turning point of the ages. James adds, adds his two cents. We've already looked at it in this service. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives how? Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Sometimes the first steps in the wisdom search is simply asking. Let's pray together. Lord, we do not have, we confess, we do not have the wisdom that we need. I don't know what is plaguing the hearts of the people in this room. What gray areas that uh, they struggle with. What black and white areas that they may struggle with. Lord, we know, we've heard promise after promise this morning that You give to those who diligently seek and ask. Will You... If we are not there yet, if we are not there to the point of diligence, will you allow us to be starved for wisdom to the point where we cry aloud to you? To the Father of lights, to the one who does not change, but the one who is ever ready to bless his children, the one who is ever generous to give wisdom to those who ask. And we pray we would pursue this in the face of the Lord Jesus, who has hidden all the knowledge and the wisdom of the ages. Increase our faith. And bless us now, we ask it. In Jesus' name. Amen.